Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello. You're listening to BFN. This is the podcast about infertility, IVF, and the trials of trying for a baby. I'm Gabby. And I'm Emma. And we're both card-carrying members of the Infertility Club. Hello, happy Tuesday. Happy Tuesday. The worst day of the week for me, Tuesdays. <laughs> Sorry. What the best day for our all listeners, listeners and yeah. and me and me? Yeah, I don't know. Day. Should I tell you why she says the oh, worst day? You're gonna have week. to now. Yeah. So Monday, start of the week, bright and fresh. Mm-hmm. Tuesday, mm, got like four more days of the week left. Mm. Wednesday, halfway through the week, light at the end of the tunnel. Mm. Thursday, day before Friday, Friday, Friday. See, most people would say Wednesday is the worst, wouldn't they? Because it's mm. the hump day, right? Yeah, but I think it's like the end of the tunnel day. Yeah, okay. Whereas Tuesday is just like, ooh. Yeah, Tuesday is pretty shit. Well, that's why we chose to do it on a Tuesday, wasn't it? Because it's like, I know. Because we knew that we would be bringing joy to people. Pure, unadulterated joy. (laughs) (laughs) We don't don't actually think that, guys. Um, Yes, I hope you're all well. I also hope you're all well. How are you, Emma? I'm fine, thanks. I have had quite a chilled weekend. Um, can't not much to report. Oh, I've been zipping around, getting getting around the place. It's been have quite you? nice. Yeah, saw some nice photos of you in on in the Deal Beach. Oh yeah, we went to Deal this morning. Yeah, that was good. Yeah, and we went to. Just our local, we've got like this local little bay and the, we went, um, there's a, like a little cafe there that we went to for the first time. That was nice. Lovely. And I went back to London. For London? A well, Enfield, almost London. Enfield? Yeah. Why were you at Enfield? For a uh, baby shower. Oh. Yes. Oh yeah, but it was a person. It, it was, was a nice someone, person. Yeah, it was someone who has struggled and... Yeah. Um, has had a hard pregnancy, so um, so that was quite nice to be able to do something nice for her, and yeah. it was good to see friends that I haven't seen for a long time. Great, yeah. yeah so all in all, quite nice. All in all, quite nice. Apart yeah. from um, as we were leaving Enfield in um, my car, the there was a I, I presume something maybe an accident on the M25, so I had to turn around to go back through Enfield and into London <gasps> to then come out to Kent, which was wow. A significant addition to my journey oh my god do you know what my favorite new game is oh what on the motorway just staring at other people in their cars because i realized everybody thinks it's a private space oh yeah, yeah even yeah. though they're in essentially a glass box 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the thing we should you say, say that you generally aren't driving when no, this is happening. Cause... No, I wouldn't do that when I was driving. It's always when I'm in, in the passenger situation. Mm. But I was just, I, I was doing it today. I was just really staring at people, and mm. you just see, like, some people are just like, I think on the motorway, the majority of people are quite relaxed. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, it's just strangers in relaxed situations, mm-hmm. just like being happy. It is and quite I, funny. It's like little snapshots of people's lives. Yeah, it really is. A lot of nose pickers. Ooh, lot. A lot of nose pickers. Yeah. Probably fewer smokers. Fewer. I don't think I saw a single smoker today. Okay, that's good. Yeah. But yeah, I just, I perhaps that makes me nosy, but I just, it made me feel quite happy just seeing all these people just like at, at rest. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Just like quite relaxed. And I know like like obviously instant as soon as there's any traffic, that relaxation goes out the window. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, most people just seem quite chill. Anyone singing? I'm off. Yeah, there were a couple of singers. Way. Definitely big singers. And mm-hmm. I and I'm a big singer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um but Good. yeah, it was it was largely just people like there were, it was just quite funny because you could see like those people are sisters because they look identical, mm. and like those people are probably quite new boyfriend and girlfriend mm-hmm. because she is like absolutely laughing her head off at him. Mm. She wishes she could get a divorce. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He thinks that the car makes him look like he's got a big knob. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You see those guys very quickly because they go past. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, they zoom past. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah, this is this is off topic. It is. This is our new motorway podcast. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> next week we'll be talking about service stations. <laughs> I could actually talk quite a significant amount of time so about could service I. stations. Yeah, my WhatsApp group, like every now and then, somebody will text that they're at like a particular services, and everyone will be like, "Oh my god, I'm so jealous." <laughs> yeah, I've been to some good ones. I've also yeah. been to some bad ones. Okay, let's park that for okay. now. Mm-hmm. Hey, I see what you did there. <laughs> um okay so should we talk about the show we should um so we've got sophie this week yeah um, Sophie's back Sophie's back she's talking about coming out mm-hmm. um i felt a bit bad because i literally told her off you did a little bit but i think sophie needs to hear it sometimes she deserved it she did deserve it she yeah, didn't listen deserve it emma was like oh he's like oh my god i was quite stern at her <laughs> No, I think um, it's always good to make these points. Yeah, um, well, I think everybody is can be guilty of minimising their own feelings. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think they need Not. to stop. So if I need to go around every single listener and tell them off for minimising their yeah. own feelings, I will Oi, do that. You. Yeah. Stop saying that about yourself. It's yeah. not true. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so that was a fun chat. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we've got uh, Dr. Amina Hersey, who yes. is otherwise known as the PCOS doctor. Yeah. So anyone who's got PCS, PCS? PCS. So anyone who's got PCOS, this is a good one for you. Yeah. She's great. She's great. Um, just so much info. Um, the thing that really struck me when I was editing it again was her talking about mental health and PCOS Mm. which is a huge like I had not even considered the mental health implications but obviously if you gain weight quite easily and find hard to find it hard to lose it and you're in a society where small bodies are desirable of course the chances of you getting an eating disorder are much higher right Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. 
so and the chances of depression all that all that stuff so that I, for me that was the most interesting part I think yeah she talks as well about um about the difference between kind of different races and how they experience PCOS and uh-huh. how kind of you know it can be a bit of a, a white a whitewash when it comes to diagnosis mm-hmm. is that the way to say it yeah I think it is the way to say it mm-hmm. so yeah really worth listening to um if you want to for more from Amina um you can find her on Instagram she is at the PCOS doctor so that's at mm. the PCOS dur dur as in shortened doctor all one word um, and she posts loads of really interesting facts. Um, mm. I've been following her for a while and I find her insightful. Yes, indeed you do do. Okay. Um, Professor Tim, also here as usual. Yeah, and he's, about... <laughs> he's talking about something I'd never heard of before. Yeah, um, and Emma thought I would have heard of it. Yeah. And I well, hadn't either. You're the jizz lady. I am the jizz lady. Just call me the jizz lady. <laughs> Apparently not. Seems I've been outsmarted yeah. on jizz. Yeah. So he's talking about retrograde ejaculation. So that's one for all of you to look forward to. And if you don't know what it is, mm, listen, listen on, in, folks. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we have some um, housekeeping news. Yes, we do. Uh, and and yeah, that is that we won't have a podcast next week. We won't have a podcast next week, but we will put out a newsletter next week. Yes, we will. Um, the reason we won't have a podcast next week is because we've got some cool work shit going on. Yes. Kind of related to the podcast, kind of not related to the podcast. Kind of completely unrelated. Yeah. Should we tell them? Um, yeah. Yes. Yeah. So there's a, there is a conference in London called Adweek Europe, which you may have heard of. You may not have heard of it. Um, but it's, it is what it, you know, it's an advertising kind of world conference, but it also has like quite big stars in it. It's got like, it's got, it's always been fun. I used to go to it um, as a business journalist and cover some of the talks there that were always quite cool. And, um, and yeah, so it's all virtual this year, mm-hmm. but they've asked us, the dynamic duo, queens of the advertising world, we're hosting one of the stages for three days. Yes, um, we are. Yeah. It did provide a really good reason for me to go and get my hair done. Yes. Um, which I did, which was nice. Mm-hmm. Congrats. Your hair looks great, actually. Very happy with it, actually. Mm-hmm. Very happy. Um, get mine done on Wednesday. Oh, excited to see that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Watch out for that on the Instas, guys. Yeah. But um, anyway, I don't know if you can tune into Adweek Europe. I actually think that it's ticket only. Yeah. But, but if you happen to be going. If you're already going in. Look out like, on the st- studio stage yeah look out for us on the studio stage yeah and um, uh yeah and if we if we do hear that you can join for whatever reason we'll let you know yeah absolutely um okay uh if you miss us horribly then please follow us on facebook big fat negative twitter at big fat negative instagram at big fat negative or email us. Just send us an email saying how much you miss us. Bigfatnegativepodcast at gmail.com. And with that... Also buy our book. Oh yeah, also buy our book. Oh my God, we almost didn't say it. It's okay, we say it in the interview with Sophie. <laughs> oh God, oh, we're, so, we're so bad. <laughs> um, okay, see you later. So, how are you, mate? Yeah, I'm, I'm okay. Yeah? Mm-hmm. Yeah, kind of mixed bag, 
Some good stuff, some bad stuff. Okay. Balances out pretty much to be just fine. Solidly okay. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Do you want to talk about it? Do you want to share with the listeners? Nothing really to report on the infertility front. Um, And that's the end of today's. (laughs) No. Thanks for coming, Sophie. See you next time. (laughs) I mean, the. I mean, there's nothing. I'm. I haven't got a baby, and there is no new tests. There's nothing new medically going on. Okay. well, I'm delighted that um, the, the good and bad stuff has taken you to a solid, mediocre ground. <laughs> um, do you have a lesson for us today? I thought today we might talk about telling people about your infertility um, <sighs> because I have started doing it more recently. Okay. You've come out. Mm-hmm. She's brave. Yeah. Coming out. I don't know if using the phrase coming out is a little bit of cultural appropriation, but I don't, I can't think of a better one. No. Okay. Well, I'm sure our listeners will have a view. Yes. Yeah. 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 Please do. Um, Yeah. And obviously I'm now speaking on the podcast, so I couldn't really be literally broadcasting my infertility (laughs) more if I tried. <laughs> Quite hard to hide. It is difficult. What's What's been your most awkward moment, Soph? So I guess there's different levels of it, depending mm. on like different groups of people in my life. I mean, this past, you know, since um, speaking on the podcast, I have tweeted about it a couple of times which was a kind of very tentative Mm -hmm. first foray into Mm -hmm. broadcasting my infertility because you know who sees a tweet they they come me i see them moment (laughs) i see them because usually you tag me in them (laughs) yeah exactly um but it was infertility awareness week um very recently and so I did a LinkedIn post about it and, you know, bigging up the podcast and um, just giving people a couple of general tips, three general tips on how um, how to support people dealing with infertility and kind of trying to give it a workplace slant. So one was around advocate for a fertility um, treatment policy in your workplace. Obviously, don't say just relax um and then linking yeah. out to some resources that people could look at including of course your very own website thank you <laughs> so that was a bit of a that's like to me that's coming out like rather than um you know you say oh I'm doing the podcast now so obviously it's out there but you're coming out on the podcast to a group of people who are in the same position so you're not really yeah. telling people that I find I don't know personally anyway I felt that way that like it's when you tell people in your life normally who aren't also going through it that you feel strange or uncomfortable or kind of nervous yeah yeah and obviously people I mean I would recommend that everyone listens to the podcast because of its fantastic quality and excellent co-hosts. <laughs> um, but let's face it. What do you it, want, Sophie? Are you after something? <laughs> I want to be on it. Here I am. Um, but um, 
obviously it's not going to have that much of a broad appeal outside people who are dealing with infertility and IVF. So let's face mm-hmm. it, like if someone hears me on here and recognizes my voice, you know, it's, they're probably in the same boat. Yeah, so, you're on pretty so, safe ground. Yeah, so putting it on LinkedIn, LinkedIn is like a really weird smorgasbord of people mm. from my life because mm. it's like people I met once at a conference mm-hmm. and <laughs> former lovers. You know, <laughs> years yeah, my ex-boyfriend's <laughs> sister found me on LinkedIn. That was weird. <gasps> so strange. It's yeah. such a weird cross section. It's kind of like, you know, obviously we've just talked about our age, you know, like when Facebook first came on the scene I was um like 18 or 19 or something like that and it was like everyone you ever knew connected yeah and LinkedIn now I've I've realized (laughs) this post is like oh I've got people from school people from my professional people from all over so if yeah and it's been actually really positive because I've had some really nice messages from people that I know quite distantly professionally or that I just haven't talked to in years Mm. um being really supportive or saying you know thanks for putting this out there because Mm. I've experienced it as well or am struggling with it at the moment and we do need to talk about it more um and it is difficult to bring it into a group of people when you have no idea whether or not they're going to have had any experience Mm. firstly because unless someone has been up close um, with infertility or, you know, or or trying um, in difficult circumstances, it's really difficult to understand why it's so emotional. Yeah. And I think you put yourself in quite a vulnerable position when you do kind of, I want to use a different word to coming out, but like admit is also not a good word. Mm. What do you tell people? When you tell people, yeah, when you say it. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I mean, particularly in a professional context or like with people who are, or even in a family context, you know, um, it's weird because it (laughs) so obviously relates to having sex and (laughs) being a total product of British culture, you know, yeah, that is something you don't normally talk about unless you're talking to your mates. But also yeah. if you're admitting it to people you work with, that's admitting that you're trying to have a baby. And as a woman, yeah, like mm. saying that is like, oh shit, are they going to not promote me because of that? Like, yeah. no, it, again, it puts you in, in a quite vulnerable position. Yeah. Think, or Definitely. what feels like a vulnerable position. Yeah, exactly. And also you think, is this... If I, you know, because I thought for a while, maybe I should put this on my kind of internal Microsoft Teams chat to be like, hey guys, I'm doing the podcast now. And then I was like, that's a bit fucking weird to just (laughs) declare to my entire team. Hey guys, guess what? I'm infertile. And another thing, here's where you can hear all about it. Um, You know, it's like, yeah, people would, I just worry would they be like, well, what the fuck is the relevance of that? Like, we've all got our shit going on. Um, And I've been trying to think about how it is similar and different to other ways that you tell tell things Mm -hmm. to people in a particular professional context, you know, about um, non-visible disabilities, for example, Uh or mental health issues you might be experiencing or um, dealing with difficult personal circumstances or dealing with grief you know and 
I think people tend to maybe tell the people they work with very closely or in their immediate team in those circumstances, but we don't typically broadcast to everyone. You know, the reasoning is that you you know that there's going to be probably someone else that's also going through it. Like Mm -hmm. that's, you know, we we, um, interviewed a woman called Sheila Cameron who works in in the city. And um, she, her advice to people was that if you're in a workplace and you feel comfortable enough to share that you're going through it, then you absolutely should because you're guaranteed that someone else is also doing it. And you, by you quote unquote coming out, you're actually, you know, really helping them. Yeah, and also, like, I found that when I shared it, um, especially when I was working in quite a corporate job, I got a lot of people saying, oh, yeah, actually, I I did IVF or I um, had real trouble conceiving, it took me a long time, or I had a lot of losses, or, you like, so many people have been through it. It's actually quite staggering sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's one in seven, isn't it? So if you yeah. work somewhere that has more than seven people, then statistically, there's probably going to be yeah, someone exactly. else. Um, but it is weird because also it's not a done deal. <laughs> you know, it's a kind of ongoing process. So yeah. you're making yourself mm. vulnerable, but also flagging the fact that it's going to keep taking you out the loop and there's mm-hmm. not really a deadline on it and at some point you're just going to go a bit quiet on things and start skipping work drinks and then everyone's going to be like oh maybe yeah. maybe you know and then you're like well no I just have to stop drinking for a bit mm. yeah, I don't know that and and that that leaches into the social space as well you know my friends all you know on the whole know what I'm going through and um uh Sarah Pascoe does a really good uh set on this in one of her comedy sets I can't remember which one it is but she she talks about how when you're dealing with infertility you as soon as you turn up to a bar with your mates you feel obliged to like knock back two tequila shots immediately just so that you can avoid the questioning (laughs) yeah yeah you just let them know without letting them know yeah 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 um yeah I suppose that it does that is that going to carry into the workplace? Do you then feel like you need to update people monthly when you're not pregnant? Like, just so you know, guys, checking in, still not pregnant, just so everyone knows. Yeah. I think that's, that's part of it, though, is you have to educate people to not do that. Um, You have to be like, just so you know, well, you don't have to be like, obviously, but it helps to say, like, just so you know, maybe I'm going through this, but I'm, I'm, I'll share news with you when I'm ready mm. or when mm. there is news. Yeah. That, yeah. I, I think that's that's one per thing. I interviewed a woman for um for the book. We're writing a book. Have we mentioned um, it? <laughs> yeah, I don't know if we've mentioned it, but we're writing a book. Is it possible to pre-order this yeah. book? I think it might be actually so me. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um but when I, I'm gonna I'm gonna take it back to serious now. Um when I interviewed this person, she said, you know, one thing that really helps is literally just like managing expectations. So being like, mm. this is what I'm going through. I will share news when there's news. And then, you know, and you don't have to share news immediately when there's news. You can share news when you're ready to share news. Yeah. And I guess I tested the water a little bit because I, there were two things that I did in the workplace prior to my LinkedIn declaration. Um, (laughs) Such a, now I think about it, like a really weird platform. (laughs) 
<laughs> it's taking over my life now. I'm in my mid to late thirties. In one example, like I have a workmate who I get on really well with, who was coming back from uh, maternity leave from her second, and um, we had a kind of one to one meeting, uh, a video call, and I, obviously I hadn't seen her for pretty much a year. Um, mm-hmm. And I was just feeling a bit fragile that day. So I just sent her a text and I was like, just so you know, um, I do obviously really want to hear about all your all your life now, um, but I'm not going to ask about your kids and your new baby because I'm dealing with infertility and I'm just feeling a little bit fragile today. Um, and she was like, thanks so much for letting me know, you know, sending big hugs but you know just really supportive and then we had I mean and she didn't mention it at all she was fantastic she just asked you know about the dog and how everything was with me and we managed to not mention it at all that's so brave I think that's um yeah I don't know if I would have done that or thought to to, to do that I definitely wouldn't have yeah well I I kind of felt it was fairer on her because otherwise you do feel obliged to ask how how's the fucking baby Mm. (laughs) yeah and then when your face stiffens up you know they're saying something really adorable or that Mm -hmm. they're having a really hard time you Mm -hmm. don't want to be like okay anyway so can we talk about the annual report you know because you just need to move on i've done that (laughs) (laughs) don't talk to me about your babies not interesting yeah um and and then the the other oh sorry no go ahead no 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 okay I was going to say the other thing is um, we came across in my team this really great thing called the user manual for working with me, which is a template that some absolute hero has put together and shared on Medium, Mm -hmm. um, which has little headings like how I like to be communicated with, uh, conditions I like to work in. So you can basically let your teammates know I really get fucked off when people put in meetings at 9am because I really just want to get on with stuff quietly um it's really good so yeah I've um we've used it in like the team that I manage and it's working really well and then there's a kind of other things you should know about me so I just popped in there as a little bullet point struggle Mm. with too much talk about pregnancy parenting babies um obviously there's been masses of it during um, oh my god it's never ending school I hate it yeah yeah um and yeah and and then one of my um workmates kind of I I, she was really vulnerable with me about something and then I was like oh yeah and oh oh, yeah she no she just emailed saying noted on this um which was I think a kind of acknowledgement and a kind of invite to talk if I wanted to Mm -hmm. she she's a parent herself and I was like oh yeah just so you know it is because of this because I'm dealing with infertility and um you know, she she has got people in her life dealing with it as well. And then we had a really great chat about it. And That's she cool. was, again, you know, the thing is, everyone's basically supportive. You know, mm. you've got to be a pretty massive dick to, when someone tells you something like that, to be like, well, probably fine, isn't it? <laughs> you know, or just, mm. just relax. You know, people mm. do, yeah, people do say the wrong things. But I think on the whole, people are supportive and compassionate and sensitive and often know someone or are going through it themselves. What's yeah. been, what's everyone's worst uh, situation where they had to tell someone? Has anyone got one that they remember? Mm, uh, so my, I was going to tell you like how, how I came out with this. 
Um, Because obviously, like, all my best friends knew everything that I was going through constantly because I just, like, splurged it at you. Um, But when I had my um, first round of first embryo transfer and it didn't work and I was absolutely just fucking devastated I went on Instagram and I saw all people's pictures of their lovely little babies and was like fuck you fuck you fuck you and fuck you mm. and I was like right that's it I'm sharing my baby so I just I um, put up a picture of like a little cardigan that I'd started knitting when we yeah. first started trying for a baby um a cutest cardigan in the world b I now know it doesn't actually fit an actual human child might fit a cat um <laughs> but I just put that up and it was on a like yellow background little blue and yellow cardigan on a yellow background and I put like Basically, it was like a long rambly post, which I am quite good at, um, about how I, you know, I thought I was going to be pregnant by now and I wasn't. And I was absolutely fucking staggered by the number of kind messages that I got. And the people sent me chocolates. People sent me, like I got about four bunches of flowers. Wow. just the number of messages, like somebody that I went to school with who I barely knew at school sent me a message being like, I've had two, like I've got a little girl now, but I had two miscarriages before her and it's absolutely awful. And I'm so sorry you're going through this. Like, it's so awful. And it was the first time I'd ever spoken to somebody who could really, I mean, like I've got a friend and actually an old colleague who'd been through it as well. But like, it was the first time somebody had sent me a message like that. Hmm. I'm just out of the blue as well. Like I've been speaking to these, to this couple about IVF and been like, you know, what did you do? And kind of comparing notes, but she, it was like out of the blue. And it was, I was like, oh my God. So if you tell people about this, they largely get it. Mm. And you get chocolates. And you get chocolate. Mm, crucially. Which, yeah. But um, which when you're having off those hormones is really helpful. But, um, and then I went into work the next day. And I, one of my colleagues was like, oh, I'm, I saw your post last night. I'm really, really sorry that you're going through that. And then he was like, have you tried acupuncture? Because that worked for us. And I was like, oh, fuck off. <laughs> like, like the acupuncture was actually my biggest issue. It wasn't just relax. It was the have you tried acupuncture that people used to say to me. Yeah. And I was yeah. like, no, I haven't tried fucking acupuncture. Fuck you. Yeah. I did try acupuncture subsequently. It was nice. Um, the um, but the comments yeah. about acupuncture rather needled. Oh, oh, nice. oh. <laughs> <laughs> yes. There she is. There she is. But oh, yeah, dear. I think that that was like laying the groundwork for this pod- podcast for me because I was like, mm. oh my god, people are so kind if you mm. like bear your soul. Yeah, They're, like yeah. people aren't dicks about it. Yeah. And like obviously, you know, all my best friends had known. And the reactions have been, in, and, and family, and the reactions have been mixed. There had been a lot of just relax. I think as I went towards IVF, people began to realise it was actually quite serious. Mm. But, um, yeah, I, I think people on the whole are very nice. Yeah. Generally, yeah. like humans. But have you also noticed there's a time, you know, there's the, and again, I've had really, I've been really lucky to have really lovely, supportive people. You know, I've had a couple of mates have sent me books. And, you know, one, like, asked permission before sending me the book, which I thought was seriously thoughtful. She's mm. amazing. Yeah. Um, uh, but then there is a kind of period after that where the questions fade away. Mm. Um, yeah. 
And I think it's a bit, I mean, you know, infertility is a form of grief. You know, that's not me saying it like lots of people have written about that. I find it reassuring to read experts saying that the yeah, emotional process yeah. is very similar. Yeah, yeah absolutely. You know, it yeah. makes you feel that you're justified in feeling how you're feeling. Yeah. But, you know, when people are, are grieving, um, you know, someone who's died, there's always that uh, lots of people rallying around and then it kind of tails off over time. Mm. And actually, mm. if, you know, if it's someone very close to you, you you're thinking about it every day you know you, mm. ne- you never get over uh, mm. some losses um and the losses of people most close to you but you do stop getting people asking how you're doing on it um, yeah and, I and, do. I, and you know on a much more pared down scale that's my experience a bit with infertility as well you know yeah <laughs> I'm kind of about two and a quarter years in now um I think you and- need to stop minimizing your grief like that you just kind of laughed because oh, it's so silly of me to be like that when people like you know lose their parents and family and close family and it's I think you need to like acknowledge the fact that you are grieving every month yeah thank Probably. you for saying that because I have a tendency to laugh and make light of the things that yeah. are most difficult to me stop doing that thank you sorted well do <laughs> it do it but then who needs therapy no don't stop making gags but we you know no, I mean, but like, make jokes um, that's why we're good at this podcast no but I think um, don't yourself feel like you aren't grieving if you know what I mean if you acknowledge that you're yeah. grieving and then make a joke about it that's cool but you know don't yeah. feel like you're not like, yeah allowed well, to grieve it took me some time to be allowed in my own head to think of what I am experiencing mm. as a form of grief of hence why <laughs> I started reading uh, started reading expert psychologists online <laughs> like I need a qualified professional yeah. to tell me that this that I am allowed to describe what I'm going through as grief and mm. actually using that word has helped me articulate to people who've got no experience of it what I'm going through because I'm like it's a really fucked up type of grief because time is not a healer it compounds with time because Mm -hmm. the further along you go in time the less likely and it feels like things are things are going to be you know the less likely you're going to get the outcome you want um and also it's weird because you constantly have two parallel future lives in your head Mm -hmm. you know one is the one without children that you grieve for and the other one is one that you still have to hold up a little ray of hope for that it all might Mm -hmm. come together perfectly yeah um there's no closure it's like yeah you know yeah it's ongoing and it's relentless it is yeah it's this is the thing about infertility this is the, the like the worst thing about infertility grief is you can't there's no one event that you can grieve it's really hard because it Mm. just goes on and on and on and on and on and on and you have tiny little griefs every month and it just goes on and on and on and doesn't stop and that's what makes it absolutely Mm. maddening like it actually can drive you insane and I do think it does I mean insane is not a good a good word that we use these days but it does do something to your psychology Mm. Mm. it like it can just it breaks you Mm. a bit yeah Um, yeah and and I don't want it to be something defining about me that's another weird thing about telling people 
and on the one hand people close to me I, I want to talk about it and I want them to check in and ask still yeah on the other hand I don't want it to be something that defines me and I am struggling to figure out for myself how much a part of my identity it is you know now I've experienced it whether or not I do have children it's always going to be something that's with me and part of me yeah and I guess you know because none of us really expect it to happen to us mm-hmm. um even though we might have fears that it will you kind of you know <laughs> that first month of trying or the first well even the second month third month you're like this is it this is it yeah, this yeah. is it so yeah. you never really factor in how it is going to play a part in how you see yourself and your experience then of the rest of your life. Mm. And that's something I'm thinking about at the moment is, you know, thinking through these dual lives, obviously it's not going to go exactly to either plan because that's not how life works, but you know, one with children, one without and understanding that whichever outcome there is, this is still going to play into either outcome. Mm. Um, And, I think it does define me. I see a lot of people posting stuff on um, Instagram being like, infertility doesn't define me, but I think it does define me. I think it does. I think that experience will continue to define me for the rest of my life. Well, I think it's very hard. It's hard for me to separate because we do this. Um, yeah. It's very much part of my life every week. Um, yeah. And so, you know, I've kind of made it my identity. I don't know if it would have been without this. Yeah. But also you kind of at your stage, Sophie, I don't know if you're getting this, but I kind of I wanted to talk about it with everyone. Yeah. And I did talk about it with everyone, but then I started to get worried that they didn't want me to and they'd be like, oh here comes Gary. <laughs> oh, I'm gonna talk about infertility again. Let's find out what's going on in her womb. Do you know what I mean? I was kind of like I was always like not sure whether I could just let rip because I wanted to let rip with everyone. It was just it was in my on my mind. You know, I, I almost always had something to say about it, but you start to worry that you're boring. Am, am I an infertility bore now? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's really frustrating to not come with any good news. <laughs> Do you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Like normally when you're dealing with a, something really shitty in your life, at some point there is a bit of a turnaround and you can start saying, actually, this week's been a bit better or actually yeah, this thing has really helped me or I've done yeah. this thing to break myself out of this and you can't really do that with infertility there's no news <laughs> do you know what I mean like other than I had another uh, invasive test do you want <laughs> to hear about my vagina again <laughs> yeah. um yeah. there's not really an update and so, and I also you know I hate I find it difficult to be vulnerable Mm-hmm. And I really hate complaining. So I actually find it quite difficult to say, oh, I'm having a tough time. And mm-hmm. I don't want to keep bringing that because it's not really a new tough time. It's just like mm-hmm. I'm getting, <laughs> I waver in and out of how much I can deal with the tough time. Uh, <laughs> Do you want an update on like, I'm at 60% tough time today. <laughs> Last hey guys, week I was at 50%. Yeah. Let's, let's <laughs> bounce around and talk about something else. Woo-hoo. Yeah, God, I, yeah, I don't think I ever worried about that. I think I just bored the pants off people for a really long time. But I, I've got to say, parents bore the pants off people about parenting. This so is true. Honestly, yeah. like, I don't think it matters. Like, yeah. Yeah. like, parents are very boring about their kids. I don't think I lost any friends. 
No, I don't think I lost any friends. I certainly, there were certain friendships that like, I don't really know the phrase, but they just, just like they ebbed rather than flowed mm-hmm. from it. Mm-hmm. I was going to say like went on the back burner, but they didn't because I was still in touch with those people, but they just weren't as close as they had been. And now they're close again. Yeah. Yeah. And I've found that as well. You know, one of my best mates, we've known each other since, you know, since school, since we we're really young. Um, uh, I told my mates when I was starting trying. Yeah, um, I announced it at brunch. That was bad. Yeah, me too. Um, <laughs> brunch is the place to declare yeah. your baby making intention. Um, Fertilized. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Opening, fingers crossed. <laughs> um, and and she, you know, we'd kind of got married in the same year and she was like, oh, yeah, I don't know. I'm going to tr- wait a little bit longer because of job staff. I was like, oh, wait, but what, we can do it together. You know, like all these twattish things that you say before you realize that mm-hmm. it doesn't work like that. Um, anyway, and then she she started trying, I don't know, a few months after me, but then got pregnant basically straight away. Um, and then kind of fully lapped me because she's since had her child mm. and that new baby stretch I know obviously it's seriously intense for people but I you know would check in with her occasionally but found it really really difficult to uh-huh. ask in the way that I had done with previous friends before I'd um, experienced infertility and I think she got that and um, and we just had to be a bit more distant for a while and in the end you know she um brought it up with me and was like I just I you know she was amazing was like I totally get what you're going through and I just um no it's I can't remember the word she used but she basically was like I know it's awkward because um I don't want to go on about what I'm the situation I'm in um and I was like well you know thanks so much for bringing it up and I'm glad that you can see I'm not just yeah yeah (laughs) not just freezing you out and giving you the cold shoulder at probably like one of the most if not the most challenging time of your life mm. um but I think you know good friends understand that's the thing yeah, yeah. they and even if they can't empathize they can sympathize which is and, not always what you want but hopefully they can yeah yeah, understand. yeah. and so even if they can't sympathize they can send chocolate yeah, exactly. Do you remind her to everyone. That enough. <laughs> Send chocolate. Send. Sophie. Yeah. What is your advice to people on on talking about this, on discussing this with people they who are close to them and who are not too, so close to them? What What are your learnings? <laughs> I think make sure that you are ready to deal with the fact you're going to get a lot of response Mm. yeah Uh, in my experience it's going to be really positive and supportive but you obviously are going to have some people who just think they're saying the right thing and say can put their foot in it Mm -hmm. make sure you're ready to handle that and talk it through um but on the whole I've found it really positive and even as someone who really struggles to be vulnerable, you know, it's helped me because there's so many other people out there going through the same thing and it's nothing shameful and there's no good 
logical reason why we don't talk about it more mm. um so if you're feeling ready yeah go for it and also maybe tell people when you tell them like this is a good thing for you to say this is a bad thing for you to mm. say mm-hmm. <laughs> just yeah. listen I don't need any suggestions or I don't need to know that you knew someone who just went on holiday and it just happened mm-hmm. um because all the possible ideas I have already had just yeah. please listen yeah yeah Cool. All right. Well, Brilliant. thanks, mate. And I'm thanks sorry for telling sharing. you off. I, I feel like I told you off. No, it's good. It, and, you know, I think we are really all really prone to trivializing our own feelings. And actually, it's all right to feel them and to be honest that you're feeling them. So I thank you for that reminder. All right. Well, with that, we'll see you in two weeks. See you in two weeks. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Amina, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. It's very nice to have you. Indeed. Welcome. Um, um, so I, I kind of want to kick off talking about, you know, your um, Instagram, really, because in your day job, you're a GP, so you're doing all kinds of things. Um, Why did you decide to focus your Instagram on PCOS? So I have PCOS. I have polycystic ovarian syndrome. And Mm -hmm. I think it was during lockdown at the beginning, um, I decided to learn more about it. And uh, I wanted to see what was, you know, being shared on social media. I think a lot of us look to social media for um, information nowadays and yeah. what I saw on one side I had lots of very supportive pages you know pages that were uh, very sort of there was a lot of sisterliness going on um, and then 
I saw other pages which were, in my view, misinformed um, and were putting out information that I felt was uh, could put blame on us and make us feel like we're not doing enough to manage our condition. Um, so I felt like, okay, I, th- I feel like I can say, you know, I can put things out there that I've taken the time to research um, and make it easy for people to understand this condition because it is complex it is um more than what the name suggests so yeah that's why I decided to set up um my Instagram page okay well it's I mean it's really interesting and I you know one of the things that you do is you post a lot of um like myth busters yeah which I think are really cool so we asked our listeners to ask some questions because um, I just think, you know, we, we get a lot of messages from people who are like, I've got PCOS, what do I do about this? And we're like, we are not doctors, we would like to help, but we can't. But PCOS is something that comes up again and again and again. So we thought it would be really good to get someone on who really knows their stuff about it. Um, can I just, I'm just going to dive straight into the questions. Yeah, sure. If you're ready. Um, so the first question, and this came up, I would say four or five times, is about the difference between PCO so polycystic ovaries and PCOS, polycystic ovary syndrome, what is the difference? Can you have polycystic ovaries without having the syndrome? Um, yes, it's a good question. Um, definitely, you can have one without, well, you can have what PCO without having PCOS. Um, so let's get into the, the you know, science part. Um, so polycystic ovarian syndrome um, is a particular condition, whereas polycystic ovaries is a description of what a person's ovaries look like um, on an ultrasound. Now, we call them cysts, but they're actually um, eggs, they're follicles, basically, that haven't um, ovulated. Uh, so if you do have polycystic ovaries on your scan, that's just one part of the diagnosis for the syndrome so yes you can have polycystic ovaries without the syndrome and in fact one in five um, women will have an ultrasound that shows that um, whereas one in 10 women have PCOS. And is it I mean is it as bad as does it affect fertility in the same way? Uh, no, it doesn't, um, okay. because you don't have the syndrome. You don't have the other aspects of PCOS, which might include hormonal imbalances that lead to to the syndrome. So you wouldn't. Uh, people with polycystic ovaries shouldn't have problems. Um, so the syndrome is is that where the where you would have symptoms then? Exactly, um, and actually, in terms of how we diagnose people with the syndrome, um, so you need two out of three things uh so one is irregular periods or which could be that you have very long cycles or very short cycles um the other being uh, evidence of increased um, androgens these are hormones that lead to things like acne excess body hair hair thinning um, and then the third is the ultrasound appearance which i've talked about so it's actually yeah. only one third of the of the you know diagnosis I feel like um we talk about is it a string of pearls yes exactly they call it a string of pearls that's because there's lots of follicles there um that are in a in a group and you could yeah that's what they describe it as on an ultrasound it sounds so delightful it's it's yeah it sounds delightful (laughs) but it isn't (laughs) so elegant oh yes 
So um, another question that came up a couple of times is about lean PCOS, mm-hmm. which is where you have PCOS, but you're also just super skinny because one, like obviously one of the symptoms is being a bit overweight. Um, so one of our, our listeners says, I can't really afford to lose weight. I already eat healthily. What can I do to manage my PCOS if I have lean PCOS? Yes. So um, lean PCOS is a term that we give to people who don't, who aren't overweight when they have PCOS. And in fact, um, one of the driving forces behind PCOS is insulin resistance. So our body doesn't handle um, our food the way it should. And so what happens is that we have an increase in the hormone insulin, which is supposed to help us sort of put away sugar or carbohydrates that we eat. Um, But the bad thing about insulin is that it can uh, actually promote you to increase your androgen levels which will make PCOS worse and it also encourages our body to lay down fat and the other thing it does is it stops our body from wanting to get rid of fat that we already have. Um, However uh, what's interesting is that women who are not overweight but have PCOS can still have insulin resistance. Um, So even though they're not overweight, um, their body may still not handle certain foods as well as other people. Um, And so in that case, uh, we would still recommend the usual things that we recommend to other people with PCOS is uh, lifestyle um, changes. I mean, whoever posed the question um, Mm -hmm. mentioned that they eat very healthily. um, And uh, on top of that, we just need to uh, get people to look at what their what's on their plate in terms of how much is complex and simple carbohydrates. So I'm not going to advocate like cutting a whole food group out of your diet, but it's worth just thinking about: uh, Have you got uh, things on your plate that your body will take time to break down, or is it something that you, you will very quickly become uh, glucose or sugar in our bodies? Um, okay. And the other thing is that exercise, especially weight training can really help reduce our blood sugars and actually help with insulin resistance okay mm. so living that healthy diet even if you are quite slim yes it must be so frustrating if you um if you are a bit heavier that the pcos makes it harder for you to lose weight right yeah and i'm no stranger to that struggle you know i've struggled with my weight pretty much my entire adult life and um it's very frustrating when you see other people doing slimming world and and weight watchers and the weight's Mm. just coming off them um Mm. and it's just not happening for you in the same way Mm. um it can be really really frustrating and actually and I think for that reason it's I'm not surprised that eating disorders are more common in in those with PCOS because that's interesting it leads us to do drastic things Mm -hmm. yeah I mean and that's that was one of the subjects so you know the reason that you're on is because I saw you on a panel and one of the subjects that came up a few times on that panel was basically fat phobic doctors Mm. right so we've heard about a few of those on here yeah so doctors who were saying well you know we're not going to treat you or we're not going to even investigate your infertility because you're overweight but obviously if you have PCOS that's often the cause of both the infertility and being overweight right yes exactly and unfortunately there are still people out there who cannot you know 
who still believe that PCOS is is a condition that occurs because you're overweight rather mm. than the other way around, which is that you are overweight because of your PCOS. Um, so I think we need to shift the blame away from, you know, the patient. It isn't their fault um, yeah. if they're struggling to lose weight. Yeah. So so what can people who, who are kind of experiencing that kind of, I want to say discrimination from their practitioners, from their doctors, um, what can they do to kind of advocate for themselves? So I think definitely if someone is not giving you the care that you feel that you deserve, you should call them out on it. You know, I, I wouldn't want to go to a, a, a doctor and, and explain my symptoms and they just say, oh, it's because you're overweight. But, you know, and actually, if you actually reword the question and say, OK, so you're not going to investigate me because of my weight. Um, mm. When you put it back to them like that, you know, mm-hmm. it, there's, there's no defense for that kind mm. of behavior. And if yeah. and God forbid anything were to happen um, negatively, it would say there in writing, you know, that, that you, you said to them, you're refusing me this because I'm overweight. Uh, and yeah. actually, obesity is a risk factor for lots of conditions, dangerous conditions, including cancer. So using obesity as a rule not to investigate someone, actually, you may be putting them at harm. Mm. Okay. That's a really good tip. I really like that tip. Um, so another re- uh, reader, another listener's question. Um, do you see many women's PCOS changing after pregnancy, as in cycles getting more regular? And does PCOS potentially change over someone's lifespan without any intervention? Definitely, I do see people's uh, PCOS fluctuate um, at different times in their life. Um, I have seen some people who have, you know, struggled to fall pregnant or struggled you know with their PCOS symptoms and then they've had a child and it's kind of gotten a bit better afterwards who knows maybe they've had a reset but um, um, it can fluctuate throughout your lifetime even me personally um, I have had times in my life where my cycles are very regular um, and currently right now I'm going through a really crazy irregular time in my life Mm. and I think things like stress uh, sleep mm-hmm. all sorts of things can can really affect our hormones um so yes definitely PCOS is not a you'll be like this forever it may ch- you know may get better it might get worse at times just going back to the insulin resistance thing because I think it's a really interesting point and I think it's something that a lot of people with PCOS aren't massively aware of um I mean there are treatments for insulin resistance one of them is metformin, which is kind of used fairly widely. Another one is something called inositol, which is seen as a kind of natural version of that. What what are they like? How useful are they? Are they do they kind of fix PCOS? What do they do? Um, yeah, so that's a really good question. Um, they don't fix PCOS. Unfortunately, there is no cure. Mm-hmm. But, um, for example, metformin increases how sensitive our body is to insulin. Um, and so we become better at handling our sugar, at handling our food. And subsequently, mm-hmm. as an as a effect of that, our hormones improve. Um, yeah. And that can lead to more regular cycles um, and can lead to... Um, ovulation um however uh and and inositol is is sort of a 
a B, uh, they call it a B vitamin. It's not a vitamin, but it is a substance that our body naturally produces as well. Um, but uh, you take it and it can also increase the sensitivity of our cells to insulin, similar to metformin in some studies, um, but yeah. without the side effects, without the diarrhea and mm. the nausea um, and the tummy pain that I've okay. experienced with metformin. Doctors can prescribe metformin. Yeah, It's a prescription-only drug and usually needs to be initiated by a specialist um, mm-hmm. for, for PCOS anyway. Um, however, inositol is easily bought over the counter. You can buy it very cheaply. Um, yeah. So a lot of people tend to gear towards that. Um, I mean, how much evidence is there for it being effective? Because, you know... It's it's quite a new thing, right? So the funny thing is, I mean, inositol has been around for a really long time. Okay. Um, and what is surprising is that doctors will always say, oh, well, there's not much evidence for it. Um, I, I can't recommend it to my patients. And um, for some reason, we're fearful of, of telling people about it, even though it doesn't have any side effects it's relatively safe, unlike metformin, which can affect your, your B12 um, vitamin levels, uh, can affect your kidneys, so you need blood tests for it. So I, I don't really understand why we're so fearful of it, because we recommend okay. other things that are equally not as evidence-based. Um, for example, evening primrose oil for breast pain. We okay. recommend that very easily. Um, and what I And why I think this is the case is that PCOS hasn't been given the attention it deserves in terms of research um, Interesting. as a condition that's, you know, often said it's for women and it's, a, you know, a reproductive issue. It really isn't mm. re- just a reproductive issue. It is a whole okay. body issue. Um, mm-hmm. So I feel like the research hasn't caught up yet and... You know, I've been working with, um, I've been doing a leadership course with Daisy PCOS, which is with the University of Birmingham. And their professors um, and and researchers are actually doing lots of research into um, things, including inositol. Um, So I suspect we may hear new things in the future about this. Yeah. Okay. And there's there's something called inafolic, isn't there, which is like inositol and yeah. like folate Fol- I think. yeah exactly so inofolic for some reason fertility specialists aren't scared to recommend uh, inositol no. and actually you'll get patients saying oh uh, my IVF doctor said I should take inofolic um, and inofolic I think the reason why that brand in particular is is often um, recommended is that it's the oldest brand in the uh-huh. UK okay. um, and so people are taking it now Obviously, if you're trying to conceive, yes, folic acid is very useful. But if you're not trying to conceive, um, taking inositol on its own may be better for you because you can get folic acid from your food very easily. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is what I've been covering on my supplement series on my page um, about, yeah. you know, what things should you, t- you know, consider taking, what things maybe aren't right for you at this moment in your life or you know, those sort of things. And actually women with PCOS, we often need a higher dose of folic acid than what is in these um, over-the-counter forms. Uh, and actually okay. is a prescription-only dose, uh, which okay. a lot of people don't know about, actually. Um, 
the other thing about inositol is that a lot of there, there's quite a few people out there who kind of suspect they've got PCOS but don't have a diagnosis. I mean, is it okay to take if you're one of those people? I mean, I think it's fine to take supplements as long as you are talking to your doctor and making them aware mm-hmm. of what you're taking. Um, and especially if you're on other medication, um, it may be worth having a chat with your doctor before you start. Um, but again, the autonomy, you know, the decision is yours always. Um, yeah. It's just about making sure it's on file. If anything were to happen, you know, we'd know that you were on a particular drug at that time. Um, so mm-hmm. it's about transparency. But I don't, you know, for these sort of things that have hardly any side effects, you you might be okay to take it. But I think, yeah, always have a chat with your doctor. That was quite a self-interested question. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just thinking there's so many different supplements that you come across in the fertility world that could do with this kind of treatment with yeah. your insight. Because, yeah. you know, just that kind of insight of take this one over this one because X, not Y. You know, I mean, it's just kind of like it's such a, yeah. such a helpful thing to have in a world that's really just quite confusing. Yeah. Okay, the next question is very straightforward. It is... Should you limit high-intensity exercise if you have P- PCOS? There is no evidence that you should do this at all. This is awesome. one of the strange myths that has spread like wildfire on Instagram. Um, there is no scientific basis for this at all. Okay. And well, I wonder where it came from. I think, you know, these, a lot of these pages, they, they, they talk about these four types of, of PCOS adrenal type and they go into more detail and they mention extra hormones that your body makes like cortisol which is a stress hormone Mm -hmm. Um, they say that exercising high intensity exercise increases your cortisol levels which will therefore make you um, keep weight on and you need to stop doing it for that reason however exercise gets your blood sugar down which is always a good thing And our bodies always need a little bit of cortisol anyway. It's what makes us go. So it's not the enemy. It is part of our balance. Every hormone needs to be there in its own amount. Um, And I've actually spoken to Professor Wiebke, who is this amazing professor at Birmingham University about this. And she has flat out said, no, there is no evidence. (laughs) and uh, yeah she she made that very clear because we brought it up at our uh, special leadership course and uh, no there's no evidence for that and I've tried to find evidence I have not found it so if anyone knows anything about evidence for that I'd love to know dm me (laughs) (laughs) do you know what I, I feel like this thing the like war on stress has become so deeply ingrained in our society that the idea that cortisol is anything but completely evil mm. is almost quite revolutionary. Yeah, it isn't evil. It's what gets you waking up in the morning. It's it's part of our circadian rhythm. It's part of what our sleep-wake cycle. So if you were to take that out of the mix, we wouldn't be functioning as human beings. Mm. Um, you know, even testosterone. Testosterone is not the enemy in, in the right mm-hmm. amounts. It is there to do plenty of things for women so and, and anyone. So I don't know why, you know, we shouldn't make a particular hormone the enemy. It's about um, balance. Speaking of testosterone, I'm just going to skip to the testosterone question, which is, yeah. um, 
again, we got a few people saying they were worried about having high testosterone. Can it affect fertility and how can they manage it? So high testosterone is what also drives PCOS. So I mentioned insulin resistance, but that's actually sort of the step before. So the high mm-hmm. insulin causes high testosterone. Now, testosterone is a hormone that's classically said, oh, it's a male hormone. It's not a male hormone, just for men. We Everyone has some testosterone. Um, and it is needed in particular amounts in, in everyone. Um, however, if you do have too much, it can disrupt your cycle, um, which is why in PCOS, you can sometimes struggle to ovulate because of excess testosterone um so it can affect fertility but just having high testosterone on its own you know don't don't suddenly think oh my gosh I'm not going to ovulate um Mm. because some people have high testosterone and they ovulate so uh, there might be an individual threshold for each person um in terms of what you can do about high testosterone so again, all of the things I mentioned about insulin resistance will help bring your androgens down, androgens including testosterone. Um, mm-hmm. So so definitely the healthy eating and the exercise will definitely help with that. Um, there are certain things that people take. Spearmint um, tea um, can help mm-hmm. bring down um, androgen levels. Um, however, again, not heavily researched, but still very safe and tasty um so. <laughs> you're gonna cause a run Fushing. on spearmint tea <laughs> yeah um okay here's an interesting one does pcos affect egg quality um so yes it can affect your egg quality and that's because you need certain hormones like follicle stimulating hormone to promote that egg to to ripen and and get you know ready to ovulate Mm. um and if your cycles are out of sync and you're not getting that rise of those hormones that you should be getting then yes but it i mean by egg quality i mean you know how likely are you to ovulate how how good is that egg going to be but in terms of you know the egg i mean we're born with the eggs that we have so Mm -hmm. in terms of uh things like you know age and general levels of health are probably more uh, greater impact on our air quality things like smoking um and alcohol intake can also impact on our smoke uh, on our eggs um mm-hmm. so not just pcos lots of other things too in play yeah. Fun times. I remember somebody saying once that if you have pcos you might have more eggs than other people because you ovulate less um i have i have read that somewhere um i heard about people with pcos staying fertile for longer and sort of having Mm -hmm. menopause later on in life um i don't know how much truth there is to that i'll definitely have to look that Mm. up um i i did try at one point i don't think i found anything but um i just don't want to you know, say anything wrong on air. So I'll, I'll look into that. Um, yeah, that sounds like one of those things that's maybe too good to be true. It is too, yeah, I, I suspect so. Um, and I think having menopause later doesn't necessarily mean that you are as fertile later. Yeah. It just means you're having menopause later. Um, yeah. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. 
Um, so I, I want to actually, I might just skip to the last question because I kind of, I think they're all relevant. I think we've asked about GPs a bit. Mm. Um, so w- one of the questions that y- you were asked on the panel, and again, I thought it was really interesting. It's not something that I'd really thought about before, is that a lot of the PCOS symptoms that are seen as classic are ones that potentially present a little bit more in white people than they would in non-white women and I'm thinking about things like hirsutism Hmm. um and that meant that a lot of people aren't believed when they when they say I think I've got PCOS because the doctor's saying well you don't have this um this symptom and it it me it kind of slows down their diagnosis process what how can they advocate for themselves how can they just say look you're wrong yeah so actually what's what's interesting is that PCOS is actually more common in South Asian women okay. um but because research is often using Caucasian uh, participants I think a lot of the research findings are specific for Caucasian women's symptoms or people with Caucasian symptoms so um that that obviously will skew the way that PCOS is viewed because obviously mm. no single person is the same my PCOS symptoms are not going to be the same as someone else's um mm-hmm. for example hirsutism so that that's a word we use for excess body hair um yeah I personally yeah I'm a medical language yeah <laughs> I personally don't suffer with hirsutism uh, mm-hmm. and I am a black woman and I I think I had this question uh, on the panel, yes, about um, not being uh, cis and not being uh, Caucasian and having problems getting diagnosed with PCOS. And I think that's a tragedy. It shouldn't definitely not be happening. And um, I think it's important to to get whoever you're speaking to to remember that not everyone's PCOS symptoms are the same. Uh, right. And there have been plenty of people who I've diagnosed with PCOS just because they came to see me about their acne. Um, So it needs to play on our mind. Could this be PCOS? Um, So someone might come to me with acne. Someone might come to me with hair thinning. Someone might come to me with excess body hair. Someone might come to me with weight problems. Uh, So I always, because I have PCOS, it's always at the back of my mind. Um, And I've had people who've thanked me for making their journey to diagnosis quick because um, I, I had it, you know, I was thinking about it. I was like, hmm, maybe this could be PCOS. Let's investigate. Um, so definitely remind them that there's more to PCOS than excess body hair and that you mm. have other symptoms that suggest that you have PCOS. Um, and yeah. Have you already kind of mentioned the symptoms that are less obvious or that are not um, found in white women so that, you know, if someone's listening to this and they're like, oh, I I hadn't heard that and maybe that is me. What are we looking for? I mean, I've never read a condition like a study that says, oh, these symptoms are more likely in people who are Caucasian. But um, there are subtle symptoms that might not be the standard sort of acne, body hair, body, you know, hair thinning and weight. Um, For example, sleep apnea. 
you know if, mm-hmm. if a woman is, sleep apnea is is more common in men um so um if you've if you've been diagnosed with sleep apnea and you think okay and especially if you're young you should question you know um maybe I've got PCOS because actually it's a, a lot more prevalent in people with PCOS than the general population um which is very interesting um and the yeah. other thing is eating disorders as well so they're suggesting that we should actually look backwards anyone who's got binge eating or or you know other de- eating disorders bulimia anorexia to look back could this person have had PCOS um is what one study suggested actually retrospectively thinking about PCOS in those people um even anxiety and depression is a lot more common in PCOS um oh. brain fog yeah. this feeling that you you just not you know your mind's not working as well as it as it used to um it really yeah. is a shitter isn't it this PCOS yeah it is it is okay well Amina thank you so much for coming on and explaining this stuff it's it's um, I don't think we understand it very much do we no I don't think so I think even as as a as a medical you know doctor um I do feel like this this is sort of a, a condition where we're really at the tip of the iceberg you know we haven't yeah. even and for decades and maybe hundreds of years it's been like this mm. um that you know PCOS has been heard about but not much research has been done into it unfortunately it's one of those quote-unquote women's problems isn't it that just doesn't deserve any attention exactly I was looking at um how much research goes into erectile dysfunction which is (laughs) a a, a, a male you know quote male problem um uh, that is as prevalent as PCOS but it gets thousands of more papers um really? more research yeah thousands God. More. Um, so much less interesting yeah i mean in in ph- big farmers uh, view sex is very important and uh, it definitely needs to be you know helped out but for some reason this condition that affects people's entire lives doesn't deserve as much attention Mm, it's so frustrating we i mean the amount of people we've heard who've just not been diagnosed for years it's just it's maddening now it's time for ibf less good on the harmony yeah yeah that's good bit flat Um, today guys um and well, yes, retrograde ejaculation. Let's let's get it back up again and talk about this. According to the Google, the first result on Google, um, retrograde ejaculation occurs when semen enters the bladder instead of emerging through the penis during orgasm. Now that sounds uncomfortable to me. It does sound a bit uncomfortable, doesn't it? The thing that emerges from this that I find absolutely fascinating is that you can you can get sperm. So if somebody has retrograde ejaculation, they don't need to, they, they're like doctors can get sperm out. Uh, of the bladder? Yes. Uh, yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. It's fascinating. It's like science is amazing. Yeah, that's yeah. incredible. Well, I suppose, uh, I suppose they're in there. Yeah, I mean, they're in there. So they just get them out. Wow. Well, yeah. I don't think we should... Um, like marvel at the the wonders of retrograde ejaculation without actually putting it to Tim because I think neither of us really know what we're talking about here. <laughs> well, here's, here's what he has to say. 
Thank God. <laughs> so retrograde ejaculation, as it says, is when um, during intercourse the sperm actually goes into the bladder rather than be deposited uh, at the end of the urethra. And the reason for this is that um, during ejaculation there's actually quite a complex set of uh, constricting muscles that have to work in the correct order to allow sperm to exit the vas deferens into the urethra. And if it goes wrong, it actually then uh, goes into the bladder. And there are a number of different causes for It's actually relatively uncommon, but there are a number of different causes and they tend to be uh, three main groups. One would be that a man has had surgery beforehand. The classic sort of surgery would be prostate type surgery, but if he's also had uh, surgery for pelvic cancer, that can cause retrograde ejaculation. The second group of causes would be underlying neurological disease, so perhaps diabetes that's affected, nerves, uh, mus um, multiple sclerosis, uh, Parkinson's, and uh, there are a few different um, neurological diseases. And the third broad group of causes would be certain types of drugs, particularly some drugs that are used for high blood pressure. The man may notice that he has retrograde ejaculation because perhaps he has what's sometimes called a dry ejaculation with no or very, very little fluid um, being emitted in the ejaculation. And also, obviously, it may go along with a problem with his partner not getting, not getting pregnant. In terms of treatments, well, if the, obviously, if, the, if it's if it's happening because the, the man is taking some high blood pressure or other types of drugs, then that would need to be looked at. If it's happening because of neurological disease, so diabetes, multiple sclerosis, etc., then sometimes there are some drugs that can be used to help improve the uh, coordination of the muscles along the reproductive tract that may help uh, reduce the chance of retrograde ejaculation. If the cause is surgical, so previous surgery, then there may not be a lot that can be done to, to alter uh, that outcome. Having said that, in terms of what we can do within an IVF clinic, then for men with retrograde ejaculation, what we can do is we can get him to ejaculate, then to pass urine. The urine is collected and then, uh, and usually, very often actually, the man would be given some uh, tablets beforehand to help change the pH of the urine. So the urine is then, he just you know, passes urine, it's collected, and then the scientists then uh, centrifuge the urine and get the sperm out of the urine, which can then be used as part of uh, treatments such as insemination treatment or IVF. And the stage beyond that sometimes would be a surgical sperm retrieval, so a biopsy to get sperm, which is then used as part of an IVF cycle and is injected into the woman's eggs using a procedure called ICSI, after she's um, had her egg collection following IVF. So I think the bottom line, uh, retrograde ejaculation is relatively uncommon. Um, it may be possible to treat it to stop the man having retrograde ejaculation, depending on the underlying cause. But even if that's not possible, then uh, sperm can be collected from urine or from a surgical sperm retrieval. So I think the chance of actually the female partner getting pregnant is, is still pretty good. myself sometimes um <laughs> sorry uh yeah guys we um we hope you enjoyed the episode i think it was a banger yeah 
uh, as usual. As usual. I, another, always... I think another classic, actually. Another, another like, classic. solid classic yeah. BFN episode. Mm-hmm. Um, so next week, no episode. But if you want to sign up for the newsletter, it's on our website. So just go to bigfatnegative.com and click on newsletter and put your email address in there. Yeah, or you can go through our Instagram. It's in our link tree. It is in our link tree. Um, and then... Who are we speaking to the week after, Gabs? Not a fictional mum. Not a fictional mum. And she is talking about... Adoption. Yeah, she is. You had a little um, little cry there, didn't you? Yeah, I had a cry twice, because we also, I also interviewed her for the book. I don't know if we mentioned the book before. Oh, we... Get that in there. Oh, yeah, I forgot that we'd written a book. Pre-order the book. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I've interviewed her twice now, and both times cried. I didn't cry and then felt like a heartless, evil bastard. Well, someone had to maintain the professionalism. Glad you did. I was just weeping. Okay. Um, Yeah, it's a nice interview. And when I say nice, I mean, it might make you cry too. But it's, Mm. it's a really, I think, personally, quite a good one for anyone who's thinking about adoption because I don't think she puts you off it at all. I think think she's very honest. Yeah. But I think... You know, I came away from it thinking, yeah, I could, yeah, she's right, I could do that. Um, and, yeah, I think it's a good one, basically, yeah. for, that, for that very reason. She's Absolutely. also great. She's quite funny. She's very funny. and um, She's from, lols on Insta. Yeah, she is lols on Insta, and she's also from my neck of the woods. Oh, yeah, she's a West Country girl. Yeah. Um, okay, we'll see you the week after next. Indeed. We love you very much. We love you. Bye. Bye. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love and be confident that every inch, stitch, sole and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms.